0: This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal Cast with your
1: hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. <laughs> all right, hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. you got Rep and I holding it down as usual lately. Uh, Going to be a pretty general episode today. We're touching on the nine O list from day one of GP Toronto. How coverage has changed a little bit. Uh, there's one in particular we're going to talk about the Boros Soldiers Humans list, and then we're actually going to cover a general topic that honestly I don't think a lot of people fully understand in MTG finance and arbitrage and how to exploit it, ways to exploit it, and what it means. So with that, we'll get started. Yep.
0: So uh, last night saturday at some point in time we got the nino deck lists from channel fireball tweeted out and we see uh, what looks like a standard mix in tron amulet titan is it phoenix humans and death shadow and then we have a couple interesting takes we have bring to light scapeshift which is a deck that existed months if not years ago uh, a deck that has been powered up by Growth Spiral, allowing it to play almost an entirely instant-based game. We have yep. Four-Color war, and for people who are not in on this joke, it is basically Lantern Control, but your win conditions are Ipnu Rivulet, the, a single copy of the Mill Land from Amonkhet, and Pyrite Bomb. And you just lock out the game with Trinisphere, you lock... Uh, You lock out combat with Ensnaring Bridge. And then you have War to basically bring all these pieces together. Uh, Boros Soldiers, which we'll bring up the deck list for in a moment. We only have the 60 that was tweeted this morning. Yeah. And Adnaz. And Adnaz is also interesting because this can come in multiple flavors. You can have a version that just tutors through the deck and basically... Instead of using Adnaz, I forgot the name of the the Black Tutor from Mirrodin. Name uh, a card. Spoils of the Vault. Spoils of the Vault, that's it. Where you just name a card, go through your deck tr- until you find that card, exile those cards, take damage equal to, or lose life equal to uh, the amount of cards you exile. Uh, it's pretty quick that way. Or yeah. you can kind of Glittering Wish combo, where you put something like Bring to Light, Fracturing Gust, and um, some other odds and ends into your sideboard that allow you to play a much more robust game one while still being able to combo thanks to Bring to Late. And it creates an interesting picture of the modern metagame right now, thanks to uh, these last two RAV sets. However, the red-white soldiers list that I have up now basically added nothing new. This is just a pet deck. The only additions are Tithe Taker, which are copies of Thalia, Garden of Thraben, in this list, I believe four through seven. Four five six, yep. Yeah. And uh, Field Marshal. That's not a new card, but it, it's basically a new inclusion to a semi-aggressive humans list. Mm-hmm. And it went 9 overnight. I believe he finished uh, not just outside of top 8, a little further down.
1: But yeah, I think it was round 14 or something that he ended up dropping.
0: Yeah, he basically exited the event fairly late. Uh, I believe that's still money. Yeah. And uh, what we saw from this was a Field Marshal spike. And this has been mentioned yes. on the uh, MTG Finance subreddit, and something we keyed on keyed in on pretty early, but we didn't key in on non-foils. What we noticed was that the spread on foils was rather small. Yeah. This is a card uh, that was printed originally in Cold Snap and then again in 10th edition. So we have yep. a very limited pool.
1: Yeah, and the Cold Snap foils especially was where the spread was bad. It was like $5 for non-foils and 6 for foils. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now looking at it on TCG, it went from, I think I mentioned that in the discord at what like eight or nine yeah and now we're down to from six pages then to one page where everything has three dollar shipping or more Yep. so it's all 10 plus you know we'll see how it goes it was just an interesting thing that i saw and then the spread on 10th was actually what you would expect it was about a 2x multiplier multiplier. Mm -hmm. yeah and they're they're sitting at around 10 and they've lost about four pages of foils as well yeah so
0: uh, whether or not this deck picks up, we're not sure. Uh, this, is, Like I said, it's basically another humans list. I believe every creature in this list has subtype human, including the Kytheons. Mm-hmm. And we saw the low-hanging fruit disappear in Field Marshal because, like I said, it was a Cold Snap, original printing, and then a 10th edition reprint. And then after that, so we don't have a lot of other small run creatures. Everything else kind of hits around that time period after Return to Rav, where print runs just yeah. kind of ballooned out. You know, you can't look at Cavern of Souls and Muta Vaults and say, "Oh, these are short print run cards," because yeah, and they'll spike because these are in a number of other decks that are propping up the price right now.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing is Field Marshal also has EDH propping up its price because yeah. it's a tribal lord.
0: Yes, it is. It is a soldier lord. It gets plus one plus one in first strike. It's, yeah, it's hard to see in the image in the image we brought up, but it is there. The other card that might see a bump is Tithe Taker, because nothing else is really using it right now. I believe the Azorius Aggro list in Standard only has one copy somewhere in the 75. This deck runs four. So we might yeah. see a bump up from not a seemingly bulk price on the card, but to something a little more real, maybe around the two fifty dollars to $3 range on this card. Yeah. You know, especially as Azorius Aggro uh, picks up if it does in Standard. You know, This will be another feather in the cap of a price increase for this card. Yeah. Uh, and uh, before that, this week, this uh, that's kind of the the bigger piece of information that we had. Uh, we saw something interesting happen over at Star City Games if people are paying attention to uh, the finance subreddit, which is kind of a toss-up. If you do, you don't. you know. Not a bad thing if you don't. Not a great thing if you do. But, yeah, uh, what it's we, there. What we saw again this week was a jump in an EDH card price and Skull Clamp, a card we talked about last week when comparing it to Lightning Greaves. Yep. And we saw Star City Games reach out into Europe Particularly MKM, and buy several hundred copies of Skullclamp, and this is a copy uh, that I've got up now of their order. And you can see the the, sell, the buyer was Star City Games, uh, the seller for this particular order was Eureka Games out of Europe, and they picked up about two hundred copies on the whole from various non-dark steel printings.
1: Yeah, pretty. And- pretty crazy
0: we can't really speak to why because star city games is not the largest uh, edh vendor It could be a sale coming up they don't when they've reached out to europe in the past they haven't really kind of given off signs that this is going to be an upcoming sale or something they're going to move into this could just be a card they're low on and because the events they run are mainly uh, constructed in modern and standard they don't see a lot of edh players walking in with cards like this you know, this card's banned in every format that isn't EDH and vintage, so it's very hard to find that kind of uh, information. Yeah. But the reason we wanted to bring this up wasn't just because Star City is reaching into MKM for this stuff. It's because about the, arbit- the arbitrage opportunity that this presented for Star City games. And in Europe, a lot of people there just don't care about EDH. They don't care about promos. And this isn't something that... You, know, you can just take a guess on and see or just watch trends and see. You can talk to vendors that, that play both in the U.S. and in yeah. the EU, and they all move promos from the EU and EDH cards from the EU over to North America. Face-to-face games did this. They bought out uh, the WMCQ Thalias well, yep. when they came out and they were in Europe. They buy out as many promos and EDH cards as they can to bring over and sell to a larger audience over here uh, in North America. And there's just this interesting world. that A lot of people don't really think about because they don't have access to, but this is something that's been happening for a while. Uh, yeah. Jason dug in a bit and noticed that the star CD account was created, uh, in December of 2011, right? We've got yeah. This and on they
1: screen. have 25,000 purchases, zero sales. Correct. So this, this account is literally just, and you can look at it, name, Ben Blyweiss, email yep. address, Ben at Star City Games. It's straight Star City Games.
0: Yep. And f- uh, for reference, the address that's attached to this is uh, basically just a forwarding, either a forwarding yeah. service or a house of somebody that they know uh, in Europe that just moves this stuff back to them. Or yep. Star City sends an employee every now and again to gather it all and, and fly it back.
1: Yeah. And it's... It's the type of thing that, you know, when Reptar and I dug in and we looked at, like, the timeline of what was going on, this was right after Innistrad, before Dark Ascension, was when they made their account. Mm-hmm. So it was after Snapcaster appeared, before we got Huntmaster. And at that point was around the time that Wizards basically said, you know, forget Legacy, we're done with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I my belief, and I wasn't paying attention then, was that's a perfect opportunity for them to then come in and say all right well if we're going to prop this format up we need dual lands and we're setting the price in the states so let's go where they're cheap in europe where there's a huge supply bring them on back
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and it just makes sense and it was an opportunity that was there that they exploited and courtesy of you know the two biggest sites for single sales right now you've got TCG and MKM for the U.S. and EU, respectively. Both of them only ship within their own continent. So a lot of times you can find stuff, like Star City clearly does skull clamps or something. Obviously a bad example here because it's not like it's sold out everywhere. But you can find something that is insanely cheap in the EU and it's expensive in the States. Like cradles, I think, are 200 or less in the EU for the most part. Mm-hmm. Well, there are 300 here in the States. Oh, yeah. That's that's basically getting them for buy list. You just have to pay for shipping. And if you have someone who handles arbitrage, whatever their, you know, service fee is. Yep. And it's something that, you know, one of the fallouts from GPs going the way they are, where they try to be a smaller, more regional thing, is if there's vendors from other areas like China or Japan or the EU where these cards are having a premium i mean i said it on a previous episode my sdcc sets last year went to one of the european vendors yep because they couldn't get them there and if the focus is that then suddenly the layman can get access to arbitrage because you can take a look just through a simple internet search what products don't they have over there all right well they don't have sdcc stuff so if i get one i can take it to a nearby gp and just give it to a vendor and make money yep and you know, something that we've done in the past is we have a guy in the cabal who handles a lot of arbitrage for us. When we hit pendril mists, I bought something like 200 copies through him from MKM because that's one of the things that you want to have stick is yep. all right, well this is an ADH card that's cheap over there. Let's arbitrage it from Europe over to the States Yep. where the price at the time was $5 and it shot up to 15 and it's, it's interesting to see because a lot of times people just don't think there's an opportunity for them here, but you know, both of us are saying there is, you yes. just need to know where to look.
0: Yes, it, and it's difficult. You need to figure out yeah. uh, ahead of time what your out is. So uh, yeah. you know, Pendrel misses a card that arbitraged over from the EU and we pretty much knew exactly what our out was. We knew a number of vendors that would buy that card at a decent amount because it's reserveless and they have an audience. Uh, I yep. personally have arbitraged EDH cards. I believe in 2016, 2017, right around there, I uh, moved over from Europe about 30 Oracles of Moldaia, about uh, a dozen Aura Shards, Cloud Key, and Mycosynflatis, because those are all EDH cards and do nothing in Europe. And I was able to turn them here uh, in cases on TCG Player and on eBay for probably 1.5 to 2x what I bought them for at the time, depending on the card. Uh, Oracles, well, at that time, I think were about 25, 28 here, depending on yeah. what was going on. And it took me a very long time to decide on those cards. I went through rec and I poured over every color combination, and I looked at probably the top 20 cards in each one of those color combinations, threw it in, a, in an Excel spreadsheet, pulled up TCG Player, found, at this point, uh, TCG Low, Mid, High, Existed. There was no market, so I found yeah. the TCG uh, mid on each one of those, found the MKM price on them, quantity on them, and then made my decision from there. And of those several hundred cards, I only moved over the ones I listed, and I still have a backlog of a ton more that uh, I probably will move over in time. But yeah, re- but remind me that this was, you know, almost a week's worth of research just to pare down to five cards at quantity under a hundred total. Yeah. But the opportunity uh, was
1: there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, having your out knowing, all right, these are the vendors I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Another one that recently I've had actually pretty good luck with uh, has been Cardsphere because card sphere is actually international. So you can just yep. do it. No problem. And it's interesting because there's some people on there that are over in Europe and, they constantly send us edh cards Mm -hmm. they send us expeditions and it's every single week we'll get a package from them that's like 700 dollars to a thousand because it's so cheap for them over there that they're just like well i'm making at least 20 to 30 percent doing this get it out of here oh
0: yeah
1: and it's you know if you get a chance to get on that site and check it out i definitely recommend seeing what some of the offers are because there's stuff you know like Some of the senders or receivers, I guess, that are in Japan and China where duels are propped up right now, you can do really well there Mm -hmm. just by sending them to them when they're on their wants. Oh, yeah.
0: And,
1: And, you know, some of that information isn't available to know, like, all right, these areas are propping this up. Because as far as I know, outside of Hararuya, there's not a really big website for singles for that hemisphere.
0: uh, There's Tokyo MTG, but it's only in Japanese. Oh, You've right. got to use uh, Google Translate, so if you're using Chrome, you can just auto-translate, but then you're going to yeah. get the Google machine-translated <laughs> version of that site. It is not pretty.
1: <laughs> no, it is not. I've, I've been there. Um, but yeah, so just doing a little bit of research and getting access, because there's, you know, I mean, you think about the formats that are popular here in the States. We've got modern and standard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, when you look at MKM's website and you see what formats their MKM series is, Legacy, everywhere. Oh yeah, Legacy, and that's you know it kind of it's bad because I love Legacy, but you can't play it here. But over in Europe, they don't have a problem, so you can get rid of Legacy cards to those vendors, to people over there, and just get an insane margin on them compared to what you can necessarily get them for in the states. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, I for me personally, and it may be different for you, rep. Uh, I've had a problem moving duels lately. They're not as liquid as they used to be, and it's not just the price drop for the holidays. It's just you know I'm sitting on I think 17 or 18 now uh, with a mixture of blue duels yep. that I just can't move.
0: Uh, yeah, the the legacy scene by me has basically died down. People are shifting over to Canlander, so they're having a hard time buying into that format. <laughs> and I've only had one person reach out to me for uh, duels, and it was a Tega and a Trop. And, no, sorry, Tega and a Valk. And then he hard-turned, he, like, handbrake 180 into a plateau. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's Ryan. But yeah. uh, Galactus Games out of yeah. Italy was at Grand Prix New Jersey. So, uh, I thought about arbitraging some of my duels out to them. The only yeah. problem with that is if you have a chance to sit down with Galactus, consider yourself lucky. They have one buyer and an infinite line. Yep. So you basically have to get there ASAP in the morning or stand in a forever long line.
1: Yeah, that's actually who I offloaded my SDCC stuff to. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's them and one other vendor, uh, I believe, Triple... It's not face-to-face, it's uh, Wenzel's company. Can't remember what they're called, but Uh, those are the two big... Yeah, Those, those are the two that I recommend people go to out of Europe. Those guys at both booths, again, though... They're kind of limited on buyers, so you got to get there early, but they're definitely the guys to go to for that stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you have uh, other interesting uh, arbitrage opportunities through companies like 95MTG. And 95MTG basically started as a way for Saito to move cards into uh, the U.S. from Japan and vice versa uh, fairly easily without having to come over. And while that relationship doesn't really exist anymore, 95 MTG still arbitrages the cards that they buy over to Saito in Japan. So anything new that's been uh, reprinted, they pay a premium on compared to uh, uh, older versions. So not this Grand Prix New Jersey, but the previous, I unloaded my Theros Thoughtseize and my KTK fetches for probably 20 or 30% over market compared to everybody else. And they are basically a cash only business, yeah. which is uh, amazing that they pay that much more <laughs> in cash than other people do, uh, even yeah. in credit. So, uh, understanding that is also really good. And their website, I believe, is finally back up and functioning. So if yeah, you have the it is. if you have a chance to to buy a list to them when you're going to a grand prix, I, I would recommend checking out uh, anything you're looking to get rid of for modern and yeah. standard. I don't think they were paying the most on crisis that weekend but they were the most consistent on price people were moving around on that card all weekend but if you wanted a decent rock solid price on crisis they were the people to go to they were also the only people that on their hot list have dual lands because they arbitrage into japan which is a legacy hotbed right now yeah if you want legacy tech you go there the gentleman that top aided the Star City Open, I believe, he was a Legacy player on Ryan Overturf's team that played Grixis yeah. Phoenix. Got his list from Japan. So yeah, he like he called out your Site as the one that he got that list from. Yeah, and these guys pay fairly well on uh, on dual lands and other Legacy staples.
1: Yeah, they're they're definitely good to go to, and that's another thing that you know not a lot of people necessarily know that that was how that started, mm-hmm. but it's something that has been going on in the industry for years. Yep. And now that the resources are there for the layman to get in on it, uh, it's, it's a really good opportunity. I mean, I mentioned last week, I was looking at middle school foils. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some that were more expensive in Europe already oh, yep. than they were in America. And that's the type of opportunity to like, all right, well, if that's what they are in Europe, uh, it generally lends itself to the belief that the price will stick in the states because if you see something in europe or japan that's got a 20 to 30% premium mm-hmm. then it should at least be that because the vast majority of the vendors out there start in the states and go out so it's yes. a lot more common to see stuff arbitraged out mm-hmm. than in because a lot of times the gp vendors you know they're not like you and i where we have a community that plays edh that we're going to bring these awful EDH cards in, you know, awful, right. and sell them at a premium to locals because, you know, like Moose Loop doesn't have a brick and mortar. Nope. Channels brick and mortar is mostly used for weekly events. Uh, you know, cool stuff. They've got a brick and mortar kind of. Yeah, Star City has a play space, but you can't even have orders there. Like they have to be delivered.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, it's an interesting time to actually have these opportunities as players because even you know even some of the smaller print run stuff like promo tokens or judge promos especially judge promos the concentration of judges in europe compared to lgs's is insane Mm -hmm. so once those floodgates open there was a rumor last year that mkm was going to go global
0: yes They'd set up a website and everything. They had announcement. It was part of the uh, a quarterly, I believe. You can go back in yeah. their news.
1: Yeah, that's like, oh, we're launching a new global brand. Uh, that's something that, if it does happen, that is going to be one of the most drastic things to happen to the market since TCG started.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, because there are so many of those old cards over there where. People's ability to arbitrage them in is the barrier. You know, like when Wheel of Fortune was 120 bucks or whatever, you could get FBB wheels for $90 in Europe. Oh, yeah.
0: And those are a premium over here. F- yeah. FBB, anything that's a rare and is playable, is a ridiculous multiplier in the U.S. compared yeah. to the EU. Just for those that have never, ever worked in the FBB market.
1: Yeah. It's uh, I think FBB UCs are even now moving at eleven hundred to twelve hundred, and I can't sell an MP UC for four fifty. Yeah, that's revised. It's so, ridiculous. So, yeah, uh, it's it's been an interesting thing to see. Yeah.
0: Um, and this is a a really deep topic, so we wanted to cover uh, a lot of top level information and we, we are going to dive into this it's probably going to be another multi-part episode but because yeah. of what happened this week where a lot of people were shaken by the fact that star city games just reached out into mkm seemingly for no reason yeah uh, it just kind of created this buzz and a lot of people soured on the idea of star city doing this but they do it every couple of years in a in a large volume if you dig back far enough yeah. on that subreddit maybe two years ago you'll find another instance where this happened and they didn't target anything that was super useful it was the same thing it's like skull clamp level stuff here
1: yeah i there there was after popper became a thing they bought i think 112 fairy miscreants from us on tcg yeah okay that that doesn't mean it's going to spike it's just them re-upping stock
0: yeah and as we wind down the topic of arbitrage, things like this happen all the time, online and in person. Online is just harder to see. Star City Games buys from everybody, as, does, as do most other vendors. There are actually vendors from outside of the US, in particular Japan for games like Yu-Gi-Oh, that reach into the US and buy cards, despite the fact that Konami says you cannot do that, and you cannot play out of region cards, meaning North American cards, Can only be played in North America in North America because they actually do different things than cards in the same exact card in Japan. Same card, different wording. You can't play that; it's two different cards. These companies in Japan still buy out uh, companies like Troll and Toad and various other entities on TCG Player. Uh, There's a company in Chicago that kind of represents a large portion of the market now as well. Um, Then, for no reason, and what a lot of people don't see aside from that is this in-person arbitrage that happens at gps and a lot of times you don't notice it you might see like vendors kind of sitting at each other's booths and that's usually an arbitrage conversation on saturday or sunday they might not be there with a one row or a five row but they're going they're talking about like what buys were that weekend and how they can help each other out at the end and see where they can shuffle cards it's not the same thing as a chop if people know what that is at a booth where you're sharing a booth with somebody it's just like somebody, for instance, uh, Channel Fireball at the GP winds up with a bunch of EDH stock that they know they can't move. So they go to yeah. the EDH vendor on site that knows that has that huge presence online or in person, and they will work with them and basically just move that stock back and forth, yeah. either for cash or some other stuff. Uh, last year in Toronto, uh, I worked a booth that at the end of the weekend bought a mox ruby off another vendor because they couldn't sell it. Mm-hmm. And it was a near mint, unlimited ruby. They just knew they couldn't sell it for a price they wanted, so we bought it for more than they bought it for. Tossed it in the case and brought it home, because we yep. know we could. That happens at every GP. This arbitrage opportunity is yeah. everywhere, all the time, and it, it works for the little guy and it works for the big guy. You just yeah. need to figure out where your avenue is, what your outs are, and what your timeline is going to be. That's the big thing. Like Haruuya ships pretty quickly from Japan. Yeah. And that's a pre- uh, pretty easy arbitrage opportunity, but you got to like watch that site for the sales that they have.
1: Yeah, especially on like release days when they have, you know, foil Japanese True Name Nemesis for a minute and a half. Yeah. If you don't get it in that minute and a half, you're not going to. But it's a pretty big arbitrage opportunity.
0: And uh, the holiday season, sometime in November through the New Year is generally ridiculous. They've had 50 cent Planeswalker sales, and I've watched and I've watched the vendor just hit that site And clear out every single Planeswalker on that page. Just bought every one they could basically as it went live. It's maybe a week, week and a half for you to get that stuff. That's a very quick churn. You can basically have those cards sold before they get to you. Europe is slower. That's several weeks because you've got to go through at least two layers of customs on the way in and on the way out. And you've got to have that connection to an individual through MKM. That's actually one of the harder parts, unless you want to try and set up a forwarding address uh, through any number of services.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's definitely and the thing to look out with out for with the vendor to vendor sales Sunday afternoon Mm. after the first booth starts packing up, you'll see people leave from behind booths and go to another booth and they'll sit there and they'll just have the conversation. Like you said, and it's, you know, that's the finalize. Because what we used to do is we'd go on early Saturday or late Friday. Yep. Hey, guys, you know, what's, what's your stuff you need? Because we have a bunch of stuff we can't get rid of. Let's help each other out. Yep. And you just work something out like, all right, here's the broad strokes. We'll meet up again someday, iron it out. And that's when that type of stuff happens. And you'll see, you know, like you said, sometimes they don't have anything in their hands. They don't have a one row. They don't have a five row. It's not until the end of the day that you'll see all of a sudden they're carrying six five rows over filled with bulk rares. Yep, that's that the they, one. Yeah, <laughs> that they paid five cents for and they're offloading for eight cents. Mm-hmm. Fine. Okay. Oh, yeah. And that's that's when you see it a lot. Yep. So it's it's definitely there. It's just knowing you're out in your timeline and those are the two big things. Yep,
0: and and keeping in mind that this is an opportunity for everyone, and the timeline is different for everyone in each card. And that's definitely something we are going to cover as this comes up, and we can dedicate more than just the 30 or so minutes to it. Yeah, This is just this kind of shakeup that happened again in the community, and we really wanted to touch on it and kind of open up the eyes of everybody who just kind of thought this was something inappropriate or something that shouldn't happen, and just kind of clear the air on it. Yeah. but. Uh, with that, we're pretty much ready to go, so we might as well just throw some picks out there for this week.
1: Yes. So, uh,
0: so I originally, this week, wanted to go with a card uh, that I thought would see more, uh, not play necessarily, but uh, a little more, uh, I guess a few more wins on the SEG circuit in Tempest Jin. Alexander yeah. Hayne had this ridiculous run this week. If you heard about it at all, he played the mono-blue tempo list from last standard season mm-hmm. uh, over the past couple, not the past couple days, for a few days this week. Uh, reached a number one ranking. Uh, held it for uh, close to maybe it's 16 to 24 hours. Yeah. While he was just away from the game. Just held it for that long. Nobody could get close to him. So I was, you know, Tebas is one of the only rares in that deck. It is a four of in that deck, but then I just kind of watched it get dunked on in a lot yep. in a lot of videos. So I backed off of that, and instead I went with something that I think is a little underrated at the moment, but shouldn't be in Search for Iskanta. So this card is in every non-tempo uh, based deck right now. That's that is base blue. We are at just about the lowest price point in this card's history, short of the first couple months of its release. Yeah. We are actually at a point where it's cheaper now than it was almost a year ago. And this card is all over the standard format. Yeah. And I can't figure out why it's just roping right now everywhere. It's not like this card is a two of or a three of and a few decks. The... The only thing that comes to mind is the fact that right now the decks that take full advantage of this are Nexus decks. And yeah. not a lot of people can actually buy into that deck because of the prohibitive price on Nexus itself. Or they don't want to buy into a deck that they think is going to get banned in the next couple of weeks. So you'll hold yeah. off. So Nexus keeps down other control decks aside from the Esper control deck right now. There's no Jeskai control deck. There's no Blue-Eye control deck anymore. There's not even a Teamer uh, control deck floating around that is doing well. They exist, but they're not doing well. So if Nexus disappears from the format, where this card is basically a four of in that list, we're going to watch the control aspects of, this, of the standard format kind of broaden, and more people begin to move into that, into those strategies. They don't have, they're not just stuck to Esper, which might not be a color pairing they don't they dislike. They get the opportunity to blow people up with Teamer, Expansion, Explosion, and Wilderness Reclamation, and you get more opportunities to pair those these two cards together: Wilderness Reclamation and Search for Iskanta. The only Simic deck out there right now, pure Simic, in the Star City field, is a Simic Nexus deck. Yeah, that's it. it and it uses both of these cards to great effect. Yes, and and hide, and Crasis. Uh, but that's not and a wide control field that can prop up this price, this card, and this price. Uh, even with Skyablord in the format, this card was I think played at a less percentage metagame share, but saw a much higher price point. Yeah, by about five to ten dollars. This card, by, at that point, wasn't in Modern yet. Just, yeah. got, just got Control and Blue White Control weren't really playing this card. It didn't have this uh, Eternal Format kind of standing. Yeah. If, people, if people are holding out on, on this because of rotation in the fall, you know, that's
1: fine. Maybe it's the Challenger decks. They're afraid that's going to go in, but looking at the price history on MTG stocks, it hasn't, like... It's low for the last two months. Yeah, was eight dollars, and right now its low is like eleven to twelve. That's not a huge. That that doesn't say challenger deck to me. No, that just says it hit a low.
0: Yeah, people aren't buying this card anymore. We're in it. Yeah, we're, we're in this in this plateau period where nobody's really moving in on this card. There might be some movement behind the scenes, but it's not a rush to it. Yeah. So. Quote, unquote, everybody that wants to play this card might own it, but I really don't think that's the case. Like, Nexus pops up, it's great. Like, the Nexus decks just kind of win. It doesn't matter if you're on Gates, if you're on Simic, if you're on something else that plays Nexus. They're great. But that's not a lot of control player style. They don't want to play this weird combo deck that just steals people's time. They want to play a control deck that they feel comfortable in, and right now that's only Esper. Yeah. And you might not have a blue-white player that wants to play Esper. You might not have a just player that wants to play Esper, etc. The number of decks that are viable with this card are really narrow right now. So if Nexus yeah. gets banned, this card can uh, broaden its horizon, so to speak, be in multiple control decks, and we'll see it go up. How how much this card holds in the long term in a non-foil version, just a set foil? I don't know. I, I feel like $15 might be a little high for this card unless it starts seeing Legacy player. Legacy play, I'm sorry. Yeah. So if I had to guess, this is going to be a short-term hold, probably between the next three and six months is going to be your entry point your entry point, and where you want to get out. Yeah. I can see $20, $25 if, the, if Control actually does take over the format, then Nexus goes away. Or Nexus just doesn't go away, and then the entire field becomes Nexus with Search for His Conta. This door, yeah. Like, the door goes both ways on this, and I think at no point in time does Search for His Conta remain a $15 card during this entire process.
1: Yeah. I, I also think I think it was Nassif who said he thought the best card in the blue-white lists mm-hmm. uh, in modern was Jace. I firmly believe it's Search. I I think Search is a much better card advantage engine for that deck. And I yeah. think that long term especially, you know, it's it started to see some play in Miracles lists in legacy. And I think as that continues, because this this could be Teferi. This could see vintage play. Mm-hmm. And those like the three to four color control lists, I could see this in vintage. So I think I think it's a little undervalued. I I know you said, you know, fifth, it doesn't stay fifteen. I I think it gets to twenty to twenty five long term is my, where it ends up.
0: My problem with that number is the fact that there's the buy not the buy a box promo, the standard showdown version. And yeah. because there's that like incredibly pimp version of this card i think that's going to depress the price of the non-foil version overall
1: that's fair yeah
0: and keep it a little low um but I, there's something i want to check on because i know it's in miracles in legacy but i want to see if it's not paired with accumulate accumulate knowledge that seems criminal it's not Ah, oh, that's silly i know right all right uh but yeah i to validate your point the last time i played blue eye control in modern was after Holo One and uh, the Vengevine version of that deck became big, and I was playing a uh, version with a lot of tuck, and keeping a yeah. search for Kanta unflipped was actually extremely good in a lot of those matchups, because I could just dig to exactly the card I needed instead of just, yeah. and keep tapping out to play four, five, and six mana spells without having to hold up the three for my uh, Anticipate.
1: For sure, yeah.
0: Or not Anticipate,
1: my Impulse. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I'm actually... Coverage sucks, so you've got to look elsewhere to get your deck lists. Andrew Ellenbogen posted his experimental friend experimental friendsfinity deck. That's what I'm going with. Deal with it.
0: Okay.
1: And it looks really good. He went twelve and three for eleventh place, and he said especially against Blue Red Phoenix, the card was insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, as much as Blue Red Phoenix has been popping up lately, I think is really important Yep. and he also went with a singleton master of ethereum uh so my pick is actually not master of ethereum it's experimental frenzy right now the card is sub two bucks yep i think it's a four to five dollar card especially as modern starts to take off more and we get to non-limited events for the next six months hopefully Mm -hmm. I mean, I know most of the Magic Fests are limited, but Star City, as well as the constructed events we do have Mm -hmm. that are GPs, tend to be modern. I think we have one standard, and the rest are modern. I think
0: so, too,
1: yeah. Uh, I just think it's really well-positioned right now, financially and meta-wise. Affinity is one of those decks that you've got your general sideboard for, you know, your general sideboard hate of Stony Silence or whatever your color gives you access to, but it still gets there and i think experimental frenzy being added to this deck and i we touched on it in a previous episode really gives this deck a late game and that's kind of been the problem with affinity is you either dump your whole hand on one
0: yeah or, or you're done
1: you're done yeah and this gives you that late game staying power because it's so good for card advantage and i think you know, realistically, a 4 to $5 dollars in the next year. So it's a bit more of like a, for me, a mid to late term. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can get it in a trade for like a buck, do it. Absolutely. If you've got an LGS that does bulk rares at a buck and this is in the box, do it. I don't think it's bad for sub two. No, I
0: don't. But I don't think so either.
1: I, yeah, it's it's just definitely to me a 4 to $5 dollar card.
0: Yeah, the fact that it, it has play been modern already and there has been some legacy testing with this already in the mono red storm deck yeah that leads me to believe that it won't just be EDH propping up this price long term unlike sunbirds invocation which is another like very went off the top kind of card the experimental frenzy is a little bit better than that
1: yeah it's and it's just it's a color that doesn't have card advantage yeah it just doesn't and I like you said I just think that's really good for it
0: so. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think the, you know, it was not on coverage this week in the Star City. Uh, it hasn't been in the mono-red uh, list in a while, so uh, price depression based on that. You know, It's a, a $2 card. Whether this picks up in standard, uh, don't know, but it's going to either keep uh, being a rope at uh, between $2 and $3 until it rotates, or it'll pop again. You've yeah. got to figure out whether you want it now or you want to try and get it later. And if this is actually going to be a Modern card, this might not be something that drops at uh, Guilds of Rav rotation in 18 months or whenever it leaves. Yeah. If, if Modern and Legacy can hold this card up, we're not going to see it any cheaper than $2 once it rotates.
1: So, yeah.
0: Uh, sooner rather than later on this card, and I definitely think it's a good long-term hold. It's, it's not going to be hard to, to move this card at any point in time just because it does yell EDH pretty loudly.
1: Yeah, it does for so. sure. But all right, guys, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. You can find me at Thirsty Sizzler on Twitter.
0: I am Halt. I am Reptar. We can be found at MTG uh, Cabalcast on Twitter and also on Patreon. The Discord is up and running. We tossed our first yep. set of show notes up there uh, this week with our picks. And you guys should yep. really think about coming to join us.
1: Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next week.
0: See ya.